could be doing any number of things, but they chose to honor you with their presence. And Father, I ask that you would make this time a time that would be uh, helpful to them, that they would learn something from the Bible, that they would grow, Lord. And Father, I just want to thank you again for allowing our church to be able to take that next step and uh, be able to get a building, Lord. And, and I just ask that you'd help us to, to be a church conscious of of our uh, duty to growth and to ministry and to soul winning, Lord. And I pray you'd, you'd help us as we study the Bible to be able to strengthen our, our family, Lord, here so that we can go out and minister to others. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Ruth, chapter number 3. And Ruth, uh, you know, we're almost done with the, the series on the life of Ruth. Uh, next Sunday night should be the last sermon in the life of Ruth. And I just want to point out a couple of things. We're gonna, the, the chapter 3 and chapter 4 deal a lot with the subject of the, uh, of the kinsmen, the near kinsmen. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's been a theme all throughout the book of Ruth. We'll deal with that uh, in extent next week. Uh, but I just want to point out a couple things for you out of chapter number 3. I don't want to preach very long tonight. Uh, I know I say that often, but this night I mean it. It's been a long two weeks for a lot of us, and I think we just need to get some rest and uh, coffee and a piece of chocolate cake sounds really good to me right now, so uh, I don't want to be very long, but I want to explain to you a few things and teach you a few things from this passage. And and to me, chapter 3 of the book of Ruth deals with the testimony of Ruth and the testimony of her character. If you look at verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Naomi, remember Naomi was the mother-in-law, it says, And Naomi, her mother-in-law, said unto her, My daughter, shall I not seek rest for thee, that it may be well with thee? And now is not Boaz of our kindred, with whose maidens thou wast. Behold, he wintereth barley tonight in the threshing floor. Now, let me sort of catch you up, because we took a break from the book of Ruth last Sunday night. But if you remember, Ruth uh, was doing that job uh, of a beggar, really, going out into the field and just picking up whatever happened to fall from the reapers there. And she happened to fall, uh, to, to go into the, the, the farm area there of Boaz, who happened to be a near kinsman to her. And we're going to talk about that next week. But uh, Naomi's giving her daughter-in-law advice. Now he's, she's saying, I, I want to give you rest. I, I want to try to help you. And in verse 2 she says, Now is not Boaz one of our kindred uh, with whose maiden thou hast? Behold, he wintereth barley tonight in the threshing floor. She says to her, look at verse 3, Wash thyself therefore, and anoint thee, and put thy raiment upon thee, and get thee down to the floor. But make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. So the mother-in-law is saying to her daughter-in-law here, which, which obviously we understand that uh, her, her husband is dead at this point and she says look uh, go take a bath go dre- dressed up put some nice clothes on and go down to that floor and, but don't let him see you until he's done eating and drinking you know he's working all day let him wash up let him eat let him drink look at verse 4 and it shall be she says to her when he lieth down so when he uh, lies down and gets some rest that thou shalt mark the place where he shall lie and thou shalt go in and uncover his feet and lay thee down and he will tell thee what thou shalt do and she said unto her All that thou sayest unto me I will do. Look at verse 6. And she went down unto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn. And she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight. Now look, don't read into this. It says what it means. She 
this was obviously a different culture at a different time. She, uh, Boaz was there, you know, working. And after he got done working, he, he washed up and he, he had a meal and he laid down to sleep. And she went over and she uncovered his feet. Obviously, he had some sort of a blanket or whatever. And she laid down at his feet. Verse 8. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself. And behold, a woman lay at his feet. I would, I would hope you'd be afraid if you laid down and, and you woke up and there's somebody laying next to you or laying at your feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thine handmaid. Notice what she says. Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. Now, point number one I want to show you from this is the attack on Ruth's testimony. Because so many people, and maybe you're sitting here today and thinking yourself, What is going on here? You know, And so often people will look at this passage and they'll accuse Ruth and Boaz of having some sort of a relationship, premarital relationship, you know, physical relationship before marriage. Now look, if that's what, you know, today so many Christians, so many churches and a lot of pastors will preach, you know, that Ruth and Boaz, you know, had some sort of a relationship there, and, and, and they'll even use that to justify saying it's okay to have... Look, the Bible is very clear that, that uh, fornication is a sin. The Bible is very clear that there are certain physical relationships that only should happen within the bounds of marriage. And, you know, to read something like that and to just assume that that's what happened just shows that our culture is so sinful because, you know, we've got this television, Hollywood TV culture where, you know, you turn on the television and every Everybody's going to bed on the first day. You know, you turn on the television and everybody's having a physical relationship outside of marriage. And I'd like to prove to you from the Bible that that's not what happened here. Although, you know, because of our sinful culture and Hollywood culture, that's what many of us would assume. Look at verse 9 again. It says, And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thy handmaid. And I want you to notice, this is a statement she made. And this is a statement that is often taken out of context. She said, Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art the near kinsman. And people will say, See, they, they had a physical relationship. But take your Bible, keep your finger there in Ruth because we're coming back to it. But go to Deuteronomy chapter number 28. And let me explain to you something. The, the Bible is its own best dictionary. And the Bible is the way that we're going to learn the Bible and understand the Bible and understand Scripture. And you, if you go to Deuteronomy chapter number 28 in your Old Testament there, in the book of Deuteronomy, God is going through a bunch of laws and teaching us a bunch of things He wants us to, to understand. And in Deuteronomy chapter number 28, if you look at verse number... Let me see here. I know we've done the wrong verse. Deuteronomy... I'm sorry. I want you to go to Deuteronomy chapter number 27. 27. I said 28, but I meant 27. And look at verse... Man, I just wrote down the... Is that where I want? Give me one second. I've had it written down right here. Yeah, 20. There we go. Deuteronomy 27, look at verse number 20. The Bible says, Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife. Now, God, you know, if you read this passage, obviously he's going through and, and telling us all sorts of different things that people shouldn't do. And he gets in real, real, you know, explicit detail. And it says, Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife. Notice what it says. Because he uncovereth his father's skirt. Do you see that? And all the people shall say, Amen. So the Bible uses this terminology, this Old Testament terminology of uncovering someone's skirt, or being covered by a man's skirt, 
that analogy, that terminology is used when there was a couple that was married. The Bible says, Cursed be he, look at verse 20 again, that lies with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt. Do you see that? Go with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 16. Ezekiel, towards the end of the uh, New, uh, Old Testament there, you find those major books of the Bible. Ezekiel chapter number 16, look at verse number 1. Ezekiel chapter number 16 and verse number 1. Here, the God is using kind of an, an analogy or a parable between Himself and the children of Israel. And if you look at Ezekiel chapter number 16 and verse 1, the Bible says, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, cause Jerusalem to know her, abona- her abominations. And say, Thus saith the Lord God unto Jerusalem, Thy birth and thy nativity is of the land of Canaan. Thy father was an Amorite, and thy mother an Hittite. And as for thy nativity, in the day that thou was born, thy navel was not cut, neither was thou washed in water to supple thee, thou was not salted at all, nor swaddled at all. God is using the analogy of the children of Israel there, and He's saying, look, He's saying, you know, you were like this baby that nobody loved. He's saying, you're this baby that when you're born, no one, no one, you know, uh, your navel was not cut. Talking about the, the umbilical cord wasn't cut. You know, uh, neither was I washed. You know, you, you weren't washed. You weren't, uh, you know, you weren't prepared. You weren't swaddled. Look at verse 5. None I pity thee to do any of these unto thee, to have compassion upon thee. But thou was cast out in an open field to the loathing of thy persons in that day that thou was born. He was telling, God is using this analogy for the children of Israel. He's saying, look, when you were born as a nation, you're like a baby that nobody loved. And really, that's how it was. Remember, where was the nation of Israel born? It was in Egypt, during slavery. And he said, nobody pitied you, nobody loved you, nobody cared about you. Look at verse 6. And when I passed by thee, this is God, again, he's using an analogy here, he's saying, when I passed by thee, and saw thee polluted in thine own blood, he's saying, you know, you're like this baby nobody loved, they just cast into a field hoping it died. And I passed by, I saw you, you know, lying there in your own blood. I said unto thee, when that was in thy blood, live. Yea, I said unto thee, when that was in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great. And thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned and thine hair is grown. Whereas thou was naked and bare. He says, look, when you got saved, or when I, when I found you, you were a mess. Nobody loved you. Nobody take care of you. He said, he said, but when I found you, he said, I caused you to multiply uh, as a bud of the field. And thou hast increased and waxen great and uh, uh, come to excellent ornaments. He said, he, he said, you know, uh, thy breasts are fashioned, thine hair is grown, whereas thou was naked and married. He said, you used to be naked and married. Now you're clothed, now you're taken care of. Look at verse 8. He said, now when I passed by thee, and looked upon thee, behold, the time was the time of love. Now he's saying, you, you, he, he, he's changing the analogy and saying, you're no longer a baby. He said, now, now I'm talking to you as if you were at the age of dating or marriage. He said, it was a time of love. And notice what it says. This is what God said. He said, I spread my skirt over thee. Do you see that? Same terminology. He said, I spread my skirt over thee. And uh, look what it says. And covered thy nakedness. Yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into a covenant with thee. So see, the analogy there is this. When you spread your skirt over someone, you cover their nakedness, you make a covenant with them. That's marriage. 
You, you know, you, someone gets married, what do they do? They come down an aisle and they make a covenant, they make a vow, they take vows before God and men, and they make that covenant, and it says there, I spread my, verse 8, I spread my skirt over thee, and covered thy nakedness, yea, I swear unto thee, and entered into thy covenant with thee, saith the Lord God, and thou becamest mine. Do you see that? He says, when I spread my skirt over thee, I entered into a covenant with you, and thou became as mine. So all throughout the scriptures, you find this idea. When the Bible says that God spread his skirt over the nation of Israel, he said, I entered into a covenant with you, and he said, you became mine. And then in the Bible there in Deuteronomy, it tells us that if someone was to uncover the nakedness of his father's wife, he uncovered the nakedness of his father, you know, the skirt of his father. The analogy of that phrase there is an analogy of marriage. That's what it was in the Old Testament. Go back to Ruth chapter number uh, 3. Now, I understand that that's different in our culture, and we don't use that terminology, but you've got, that's why you must study Scripture with Scripture. Because if you just looked at that and let your own simple mind say, what's going on there? She's asking him to spread his, you know, because uh, Ruth says, spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid. What is, what's that about? Look, that's our own sinful flesh. And our wicked culture that makes our mind just assume that these people are having a physical... When, when if you study that same phrase throughout Scripture, it's very clear that the idea there is that of marriage. And really, this is what Ruth... And you may think this is... You know, this may not be becoming of a lady or whatever. But really what Ruth was saying to Boaz was saying, Will you marry me? <laughs> That's what she was asking. She was... But, but you got to understand... It, 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 it was different than that. We'll get into it next week because she was in a situation where she needed help, and him being the near kinsman, and again, we'll go over that next week. But him being the near kinsman was the one that was to produce that help, and she was saying, "Will you do your job? Will you do what's asked of you? Will you spread your skirt over me? Will you marry me and take care of me?" That's what she's asking. Very different than. Ruth and Boaz had sexual relationship before they were married, and that's why, you know, people can fornicate and live like hell. That's not what the Bible teaches. And really, it's an attack on Ruth to, to teach that. Look at verse 10. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, and as much as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich, and now, my daughter, fear not, Notice what he says. I will do to thee all that thou requires, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a, notice this word, virtuous woman. That word virtuous is only found in the King James Bible three times. Did you know that? It's found here in Ruth, when describing Ruth. It's found in the book of Proverbs two times. And both, all three are a reference to a woman being a virtuous woman. Now look, that's not a coincidence. So, you know, if you study, in fact, let's just go to it real quick. Go over to Proverbs chapter number 31. Proverbs chapter number 31. You say, well, what is a virtuous woman? Well, if you go to Proverbs chapter number 31, the Bible's uh, very detailed about what a virtuous woman is. If you, uh, Proverbs chapter number 31, look at verse number 10. Proverbs chapter number 31 and verse 10. Proverbs 31, 10. The Bible says, who can find a virtuous woman? Now notice, the question there is, is who can find a virtuous woman? And the idea there is that they're hard to find. They're, they're not, you know, just, just anybody. He says, for her price is far above rubies. He says, look, if you can find a virtuous woman, man, you, got, you got something worth something there. He said, her price is far above rubies. Notice what it says, verse 11. You say, well, what is a virtuous woman? Verse 11. The heart of her husband does safely trust in her. A virtuous woman, a virtuous wife is someone 
who her husband doesn't have to worry about. I wonder how much money my wife is spending that we don't have. You know, I wonder what my wife is doing right now. Right? He says, her, her, the heart of her husband doesn't say he trusted her, so that he shall have, look what it says, no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Do you know that there are, you know, you think, why does the Bible say that a virtuous woman is one that does good? You know that there are literally women out there who who make it their life's goal to make their husband a failure? You say, I don't believe that. Trust me, they are. There are, you know, I, I, know, I, I know of pastor's wives who have done everything they could to sabotage their husband's ministry. And, and there, there, there are women out there who try, you know, who just, who just berail on men. And, and, and I'm not preaching about, you know, marriage tonight or anything like that. But, but the, the Bible tells us a virtuous woman, verse 12, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. We're, you know, we're studying what a virtuous woman is. We've got to understand this because this is what the Bible says about Ruth. Look at verse 13. She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. She's not lazy. She's like a merchant's ship. She bringeth her food from afar. She's a good cook. She gets recipes from all over the world. She makes good food. Verse 15. She rises also while it is yet night. Notice. Emphasis on not being lazy. She get, that means she gets up when it's still dark. She gets up before the sun comes up. And giveth meat to her household and a portion to her maidens. She gets up early. She cooks breakfast for, for the family there. She makes sure they're taken care of. Look at verse uh, 15. I'm sorry, uh, 16. She considereth a field and buyeth it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants the vineyard. So she's, she's also, you know, she's not just this, this you know, woman that says, you know, she, she, she uh, has part in business. Her, her husband can trust her with money because her heart, uh, his heart does safely trust in her. He doesn't have need of spoil. You know, he doesn't have to go out and make a million dollars because he doesn't know where, you know, what his wife's going to do with the credit card. And, and she's good with money. Verse 16, she considers the field and buyeth it. And notice, she, she considers the field, she buys it. Why she buy it? With the fruit of her hands, she planted the vineyard. So she buys a field so that she can work at it, so she can help the budget and, and help things. Look at verse uh, 17. She girdeth her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. She's not a weakling. She's not lazy. She's not, you know, just, uh, you know, waiting for her husband to, you know, uh, you know, uh, you, 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 you may believe this or not, but I literally know women. I've known, I mean, I have friends who, who, whose wives stay home all day. They work, and then they come home and they got to do the laundry, <laughs> cook dinner, clean the house. I mean, I'm like, and I, sometimes I want to smack these guys and be like, "What are you doing? Good night." Man, if I, you know, I, and I praise God, you, know, my, you, you, you want a, a living example of a virtuous woman, just look at my wife. And I'm not just saying that, I, honest, I wouldn't just say that. I honestly believe that. I, you know, my wife, she, she's great. But, you know, if, if I would have, if I was not able to trick my wife into marrying me, <laughs> and would have ended up with some woman like that, good night. I mean, I'd come home and be like, what are you doing all day? You know, but, but, but really, that, that's what this is talking about. It says, it says uh, where were we? Uh, verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength. She strengthened her arms. She's not saying, you know, I need you to do this. I need you. Look, she takes care of things. Look at verse 18. She perceiveth that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She knows what she's worth. She knows what she makes and, and the fact that she can do it. Look at verse 19. She layeth her hands to the spindle and her hand holds this up. Do you notice every verse is just emphasizing her work ethic? Look at verse 20. 
She stretches out her hands to the poor. Yea, she reaches forth her hands to the needy. So not only is she a hard worker, not only is she an investor, not only is she someone who can be trusted, but she's someone who loves people. She, she helps the poor. She helps those in need. She's charitable. Verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household that are clothed with scarlet. She makes sure her family's taken care of. You know, she's not looking for a hand, you know, when it gets cold, I hope someone gives me a jacket for my kids. She makes sure her kids are taken care of. She may, she's like, it, it's snowy outside, no problem. My kids are clothed, they're warm, they're ready to go. Look at verse 22. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She's not a bag lady. <laughs> You know, she's not, she's not, you know, let me tell you something. Just because we're fundamental Baptists and we preach standards, that doesn't mean we're these Pentecostals, you know. You ever seen these Pentecostals who just, like, don't, like, their women don't believe in, like, fixing themselves up at all. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's a Pentecostal movement out there where, like, you, you'll know who they are because they wear skirts. Praise God for that. But it's like, you know, like, they don't shave their armpits. They don't do their hair. They've got, like, mustaches. You know, they're just, they're just these bad women, you know. And, but that's not a virtuous woman. Look what it says. Look at verse 24. Oh, what, what, what verse were we in? Good night. Not 18. 23, there we go. Her, no, that's not where we are either. Uh, 22. She maketh herself coverings of tapestry. Her clothing is silk and purple. She's, she looks nice. She takes care of herself. And by the way, I, I, I think there in verse number... Uh, uh, what was it? Uh, Verse 17, she girdeth her loins with strength. She strengtheneth her arms. I think that's talking about she, she's fit. She exercises. She takes care of herself. Look at verse 23. Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. She maketh fine linen and selleth it and delivereth girdles unto the merchant. Look, just because you're a stay-at-home wife doesn't mean you can't help the income in the family. You know, well, how do, how do, you know, today people, well, I've got to go out and get a college degree so I can be the CEO. Look, why don't you stay home and love your kids and watch your kids? But look, plant a garden. That'll help with the, with the grocery bill. You know, make something. Sell it. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Look at verse 25. Strength and honor are her clothing, and she shall rejoice in time to come. Say, well, how is she going to rejoice in time to come? Look at verse 26. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of kindness. She's kind. She's patient. She's not, you know, nagging. She's not being negative. She's not just being mean all the time and having this attitude. She, her, the Bible says, in her tongue, tongue is a law of kindness. Says, if you want to learn about kindness, just go talk to this virtuous woman. Because she can teach you all about it. She's just very kind. Look at verse 27. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Do you see that? This, if, if the virtuous woman was alive today, she wouldn't be all day on, on Facebook. Because that's idle. Look what it says. She looketh well to the ways of her household. She's taking care of her household. She eateth not the bread of idleness. You know, idle time is devil time, is what I was taught when I was a kid. Idleness is talking about wasting your time. She's not just sitting on the couch watching soap operas all day. Look at verse 28. Her children arise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Look what it says. Look at verse 30. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. You know, you, you young boys out there, you, and you, you're looking to get married one day. Hey, favor is deceitful and beauty is vain. You say, well, I, uh, I'm going I'm I'm to marry so-and-so because she's so beautiful. Yeah, but she's a slob. <laughs> she's lazy. She, she talks, you know, she, look, let me tell you something. 
This is what, this is what I was taught as a kid. If you find a girl that badmouths her dad, run screaming in the other direction. Because guess what? When you marry her, she, she, you're going to be the authority figure. She's going to badmouth you. She's got issues with respect with mom and dad. She's going to have issues with respect with you. And she's like, well, she's so beautiful. Yeah, but you know what? In 40 years, that beauty's going to fade away. <laughs> but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Look at verse 31. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her own works praise her in the gates. Say, so, well, well, the virtuous woman, she's not a CEO of a company. She's not the governor. She's not the secretary of state. She's not the vice president. How are her works going to praise her in the gate? Here's why. Because she raises young men and young women. And, and she raises boys and she has a husband. And they're at the gate. And they're her work. And they praise her. Say, so, well, well what's, what, what, why do you show us all that? Well, here's why I showed you. Like, go back to Ruth chapter number 3. It's not a coincidence that the word virtuously, referring to a woman is only used three times in the Bible. And one of those three times, it's said of Ruth that, if you look at verse number, you're there in Ruth chapter number 3, look at uh, verse number 11. It says, And now, my daughter, fear not, I will do thee all that thou requirest. Look what he says. Notice this. He says, for all. You see that word all there? That means all. He says, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. But, but today people want us to believe that, you know, four verses prior to this, she's fornicating with Boaz. It's ridiculous. The Bible teaches us that Ruth had a good testimony. She had a testimony that the entire city said, man, that Ruth, that's a virtuous girl right there. That Ruth there, she's, her price is far above rubies. Now, did you notice in Proverbs 31, what was the main emphasis over and over and over again about this woman? She wasn't lazy. She wasn't idle. She's constantly working. She's constantly seeing how she can help the husband. She's constantly seeing how she can help her husband. She's constantly seeing how she can help her children. You say, well, how did, how did Ruth get the, the testimony of being a virtuous woman? Well, just real quickly, go to Ruth, uh, chapter number 2. Look at verse number 5. Ruth chapter number 2, verse 5. The Bible says, Then said Boaz unto his servants that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? Remember when Boaz first saw Ruth? And he said, Well, well who's this damsel? That, the word damsel there means uh, young, young girl. He said, Who's this young girl here? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, Is this the uh, It is the Moabite damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, Now this is the guy, the worker, talking to Boaz, the, the boss, and he's telling her, telling him what Ruth said, and she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers from among the sheaves. So he's saying, look, this, this, this young damsel here, uh, she's, her name's Ruth, she, she's a Moabite girl, she came with Naomi her, uh, when she came back, and she came over here, and she asked us if she could uh, gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came. And notice what he says. This is what the guy's saying about Ruth. And hath continued even from the morning until now. And she tarried a little in the house. He's saying, look, this, this girl's been working all day long. She just took a short break in the house. She's been working all day long. You know what he just said of her? She's not lazy. You see that? Look at verse number 11. Skip down to verse 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her. This is Boaz talking to Ruth. It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. Since the death of thine husband, 
And thou, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and are come unto a people which thou knowest not heretofore. What I'm trying to explain to you tonight about Ruth is this. Number one, there's an attack on Ruth's testimony. Because people will take these verses where, where she's asked, uh, spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, and they'll try to say that she was doing something sinful or wrong when she wasn't. If you just study your Bible, if you just read the Bible, you'd realize that all she was doing was say, would you marry me? Now maybe you don't think it's right for a young lady to ask a man uh, to, to marry him, but I, I don't know, get with the times, I guess. <laughs> you know, that's all she was doing. She wasn't being sinful. But even more than that, today they attack Ruth's testimony when chapter number 3 is dealing with the subject of building Ruth's testimony. She had a great testimony where an entire city said that Ruth, there's only one word to describe her, virtuous. And then God gives us an, uh, uh, an entire half of a chapter explaining to us what a virtuous woman is. And it's just this hard-working, kind-hearted, meek, quiet-spirit young lady. That's who Ruth was. She had a great testimony. And you know, we, we've got to understand that our testimonies are very important things. Look at verse number 12. And now, this is Boaz speaking to Ruth. It says, And now it is true that I am thy near kinsman. Howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of a kinsman, well... Let him do the kinsman's part. But if he will not do the part of a kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of a kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. And she lay at his feet until the morning. Notice, the Bible is very clear. She laid where until the morning? At his feet. It tells us exactly where she was. And she rose up, but notice this. She rose up before one could know another. So she gets up early before people could really tell who was there. And he said, let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. Now, did Ruth and Boaz do anything wrong in that threshing floor that night? No, they did not. Nothing sinful. And by the way, there's nothing sinful of young people that are not married, you know, dating. You know, it's okay for them to spend time together as long as they, you know, uh, restrain from physical sin. But in the last part of verse 14, it says, Let it not be known that a woman came into the floor. So here's the thing. Boaz says, you need, to, you need to get out of here. He said, because even though we didn't do anything wrong, you've got a great testimony of being a virtuous woman. We don't want to ruin that testimony. See, not only do we need to realize that a testimony is something... Go back to Proverbs with me real quickly. Proverbs chapter number 22. Not only do we need to realize that a testimony is something very important... But we need to understand that a testimony is something worth protecting. A testimony, you say, you know, do you understand what I mean by the word testimony? It means when your name is mentioned, what, what do people think? When people, when people say your name, do they think, loser? Do you think, liar? You ever know somebody like that? There, there's a kid I went to school with. Whenever somebody said, oh, so-and-so said this, the first thing I thought, he's probably lying. Why do you say that? Because he lies about everything. That was his testimony. Look at, verse, look at verse 1 in chapter 22. A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor than silver and gold. The Bible tells us that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. God says if you've got to choose between great riches and a good name, a good testimony, he said choose the testimony. 
Is it, it's, it's, it's rather to be true. You'd rather have it. You know in Proverbs, go to Ecclesiastes. Very next book in the Bible. Ecclesiastes, chapter number 7. The Bible teaches us in the book of Proverbs that even a child is known by his behavior. Even a child can develop a testimony where people are like, Oh, so-and-so. You know? We all develop testimonies. Look at verse, you're there in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, look at verse 1. Look what it says. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of one's birth. He says a good name is better than precious ointment. See, we've got to understand this. A testimony is something worth having, and it's something worth protecting. A testimony is something of value. If you're a young lady, that people would say, wow, that is a virtuous woman. Protect that. Dearly. Now here's the thing. You say, well, how do I develop a good testimony? Here's how you develop a good testimony. By what you do on a consistent basis. You want people to, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have to go to work, and you don't have to go to your family and start telling them, I'm a Christian, you know. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Don't say that around me, because I'm a Christian. You know you have to do that? So you, all you have to do is, is start acting like a Christian. Don't figure it out. You know what I'm talking about? Start going to church three times a week. Start going soul winning. Start reading your Bible. Start having prayer time. Then there's something. So and so. I think he's a Christian. <laughs> the Bible says, you know, see, testimonies are developed based on what you do, not what you say. And people today, you know, have a bad testimony. And it's because of your inconsistency. You develop a testimony of being a liar. And you're like, why do people always think I'm lying? Maybe it's because you're always lying. <laughs> why do people always think I'm, I'm, I'm the guy who's going to be late? Maybe it's because you're always late. Why, why, man, at work, everybody just thinks I'm lazy. Maybe it's because you're, you know, because you take extra breaks. or you, you know what I'm talking about? That's how you develop your testimony. And a testimony is something you can work on. It can get better. Now, here's the thing. It's harder to fix a bad testimony than it is to just ruin a testimony. You understand that? That's why a good, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A good name is better than riches. But Ruth here had a great testimony. I mean, when an entire city would say, that's a virtuous woman, right there. Go back to Proverbs 12. Let me show you one more verse and we're done. Proverbs 12. When a whole city would say, I, I told you that, that there's three times the word virtuous is found in the Bible. One of them was in Ruth chapter number 3. The other one was in Proverbs 31. I'll show you the last one and we'll be done. Proverbs chapter number 12. Look at verse number 4. Proverbs chapter number 12. Look at verse number 4. Look what it says. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. You see that? The rest of the verse says, But she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. You know, you know when Ruth asked Boaz to marry her? It was like if he was... That, that young lady had such a testimony that it was as if that, as Boaz was putting a crown and showing everybody, look, look at this virtuous woman. That's what the Bible says. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. A virtuous woman is, some, is a wife that you don't have to be ashamed of. Is a wife that's not going to yell at you in front of people. It's <laughs> not going to correct you in front of people. That's going to be patient with you and loving with you and kind. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is rottenness in his bones. That was Ruth's testimony. But today, you know what the funny thing is? Chapter 3 deals with Ruth's testimony, and chapter 3 is a chapter people would use to destroy Ruth's testimony. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that funny? But we don't have to 
take other people's word for it. All we have to do is study the Bible, read the Bible. You see something and you're like, I wonder what that means. Study it out. Look at what it means in other places. Look at other passages. And let's go ahead and bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Never bother. We love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity to be in the building, Lord. And I just ask that you'd help us to grow, Lord, and, and help all of us to be able to develop testimonies. And that, that would be pleasing to you. And Father, once we've developed those testimonies, I ask that you would please help us to guard those testimonies, to protect those testimonies, to understand how powerful and how precious those testimonies are. We love you, Father. In your precious name I pray. Amen. All right, well, let's take our songbooks and we'll sing one more song before we dismiss.